here we are. All right. So two things. We are officially recording and we are live in Team Strong Life. Welcome to the Strong Life podcast. We have here Wayne, Wayne Ayers Creech, which I love your name. It's like a stage name, but on purpose, like on accident. The greatest showman. It is like something. It's like, it's like Wayne Ayers Creech. Like that's the coolest name ever. But Listen, this episode of of the podcast is brought to you by my very own fitness app, believe it or not, has paid for our time together today. So in the show notes, if you guys are looking for workouts of wide variety, you can train like Kendra. I have at home, body weight, dumbbells, bands, you name it, three days, five days, six days, 20 minute workouts, core, shoulders, you can cherry pick and put things together yourself. It's a great app if you want to work out with me. I do all the videos, I do all the programming. It's ever changing and so download that. I think our focus here today is about strength and I think, you know, anything you can do to progress in that way and just have your focus more on strength and fitness and overall health as opposed to just constantly getting smaller and leaner. And so that the fitness app that I have is a nice break from tracking food and thinking about food and always trying to, you know, win a challenge, get smaller, look better, and just get you focused on the right things to be healthy in any body that you're in right now. So download that. Let me know if you have any questions. Without further ado, though, here is Wayne. The one we've all been waiting for. And if you guys are live, feel free to drop your comments and questions and interact. It's super fun and it makes makes it a lot easier for us to know what, what's in your head. Comment away. So welcome, Wayne. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This yeah. It's going to be fun. I know. So some of you might recognize Wayne because he's been on my social media along with his amazing wife, Gemily. And I wanted him to give you a little bit about his background because I won't really do it justice. He probably won't either, actually. But I wanted to introduce him to our crew. We're going to do a recap of the Strongman or Strength Challenge, I guess is probably a better way of saying it, and talk about all things related to strength. Wayne is a classmate of mine at USF. He's going to be getting his PhD, so he's got a lot of exciting things ahead, but can you just give us a little bit of an intro? Because I, I won't get all the things that, that are important for people to know. Yeah, of course. I guess I'll do my little 30-second spiel. Minutes. Take take as much time. Two minutes. Can. All right. <laughs> yeah, so my name is Wayne Ayers hyphen It's two last names. So everybody kind of meshes it together. I'm a husband, friend, and coach. I also am a Navy veteran. Did 10 years in the Navy. Was military law enforcement, which allowed me to do all sorts of jobs from drive boats, work with dogs, Detainee operations, worked with joint task forces on a few different operations, such as like fugitive transport from South America, did a lot with that. Got out after 10 years, went to school originally for criminal justice, got my bachelor's in that, realized you can't do anything with that outside of federal law enforcement. So before I transitioned over to physical therapy, I was going to pursue Secret Service. So I got an offer from them to be a special agent with my family, decided that was not the best opportunity for me. So then went into physical therapy, which started off as a bachelor's in exercise science that led to a DPT. So doctor in physical therapy, 
got into the clinical portion of it and realized I didn't like the clinical aspect. I'd done some research on 3D kinematics as it relates to vertical jump performance and really enjoyed that. So I had one of my mentors there at Hudson up in Maine, where Kendra is from as well, had him recommend me actually go and get a master's degree and try to pursue the research a little bit further and reached out to Dr. Campbell on Instagram of all places to begin with. He's Instagram famous. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he, he did some work with combat athletes. So my, my brother slash I call him my twin. He's not really my twin at all, but we look very similar with long hair. He's a combat athlete. And so a lot of the research he did surrounding that or in collaboration with people who primarily focus on that and creatine and the supplementation of such for performance, I was really interested in. So when I reached out to Dr. Campbell, kind of gave him my situation I was in and he said, apply, applied, got accepted. And currently I am now his research lab coordinator. So that's, that's always fun. And then I guess additionally on top of that, I'm applying for PhD programs right now, which will then be discussed a little bit later. Once I get the official approval, I don't want to kind of jinx it and then last minute something go wrong. So <laughs> I know. So were you familiar with Dr. Campbell's work? Not so much. I mean, a lot of people who go there are interested in the bodybuilding aspect of it. I've always been interested in the body composition for performance. Mm. Like, sure, it's nice to be and look jacked, but unless you can, in my instance, for, for, for the twin, punching people in the face at a lighter weight is more beneficial for combat sports athletes than it is for stepping on a right. stage. Right. So I think that's what's so interesting about our group, too, is that we have... Well, first of all, thank you for that. And, you know, I think thank you for your service. I just like that is just so it's such a new world to me. And it's been nice to have you and and Gemily to be able to talk to during this time. And, you know, where my son is gone and it's been new. And so it's, it's just really comforting to be around you guys for sure. But I think that the working in the lab. So for those of you who don't know, I am a research assistant in the lab where Wayne is, you know, in a leadership position. He's been there. He's a year ahead of me in school. And actually you're graduating like in two weeks, you'll have your degree. He fasted for that. Yeah. So it's one that thing that's so interesting about the lab is the different, the variety of interests. And it's amazing to me how bodybuilding is so hot right now across generations like it's just it's just really interesting to me i don't know if social media did that or the booty pics kind of got like it's it's got a little carried away and so i i don't know like i don't remember bodybuild building being so mainstream yeah i don't, I don't think even when i was beginning because i mean i've been lifting for I think the first time I stepped into an actual gym was 2012. Even then it was after watching like pumping iron. So that was the extent of like, Oh, this is how everybody trained in my opinion at that time. So yeah, I don't, I don't know where this prevalence of bodybuilding came from either. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it's for me when I, if I'm just like talking, you know, talking shit here today, it's like, I think if I, if I think about Instagram, right. And if you find yourself on the side of Instagram, that is those physiques, the, the, the like fitness physique athlete look, and then you start to learn about what you have to do to achieve it. Like, it's like by way of end product, I think a lot of people are getting into that, you know, sport 
it's relatively low barrier because you don't you didn't have to have been an athlete ever your entire life you don't have to have like an athletic skill you just have to go lift weights and work on changing your physique and what's so interesting is that like if i watch like a a pro physique athlete who's like 25 that girl has dieted down like 20 times like gain and lost 30 pounds in a short life multiple times it's so interesting i'm not even i don't even know if i have like a strong opinion do what you want it's just like it is the ultimate form of yo-yo dieting in like a i mean if i had a, if i had a client who came to me and was like yeah in the last 10 years i gained and lost 30 pounds 20 times i would be like that is f- up like <laughs> You know what I mean? I would be yeah, like concerned, yeah. but in bodybuilding, you're like, oh, it's just, it's so interesting to me. I think it's, you, you see that and not just, and sitting here thinking about it, you like I, I harp on it. If for everybody who's watching or listening to this, I, I'm not the biggest proponent of bodybuilding. I'm, I'm a strong man and that's just kind of what I do, but I work with athletes from all sorts of sports and it's not limited to bodybuilding. You seem to see the same thing with fighters. Okay, too. that's like, fair. That's fair. So like, it's just, I don't think it's healthy for any of those populations to continuously do that. And I think right. that could be why some of the people more holistic coaches are moving towards, Hey, you know, yes, you're going to get lean to be on a stage or in, in, a, in a, in a ring or for a strength competition, but let's not make it so that after you've stepped off the stage for a season, you're ballooning back up 20, 30 pounds. Cause it's a little bit more healthy and sustainable to be within like 5% of where you were on, you know, for competition time. And just maintain that than it is to, Hey, I'm going to lose 10, 15% of my body weight multiple times over the duration of my career. I don't know what the long-term implications for that are, but it could be not beneficial. Who knows? I mean, I mean, I I guess, you know, hormones are always the issue. So when I see like younger women doing that and taking their bodies to those extreme levels, I don't know if I have feelings of concern because I really do believe that we can all do whatever we want with our body. It's not like I'm just interested in what I'm also what happens physiologically, but I'm also interested in the psychological component because for those of us who have been on stage, there is a little bit of anything other than stage lean, you kind of feel a little fat. Like, and that for a little while, right? Like, like, and I've watched it with some girls where they just, it, 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 it's such a terrible process to get that lean. But when you get that lean, you, you have to have put yourself in such a mindset to get there. Like, cause it's like very unnatural. Like it's, you fight it every day. You're starving. You want to eat. You don't, it's like, you know, not only do you not eat, you like go do more cardio, it's really interesting process. So it's just, those are the things that, that are difficult for me too, as a like leader in the fitness industry or a, maybe I shouldn't say a leader, but like I'm older, I can, I can kind of see the train wreck coming. I have been down those, those roads. And as long as people are aware you know, it's, it's probably okay, but you think you're aware, you know, you really do. I mean, I, I told you guys, like I came out of that reverse diet, I gained like 20 pounds, like instantly. And I, and that's me. And I was very aware, 
did you, when you've come off of dieting, how, how have you approached that reverse? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess for that, I guess some more further background, a lot of people think that strong men just look like the world's strongest men competitors up on, you know, the television, like right. Hawthorne Bjornsson, all those guys, the 300 plus pound guys. That's not what most of strongman is comprised of. There's weight classes. And I naturally want to sit around the 190, 200 pound weight class. But unfortunately, the federation I compete in doesn't have a 200 pound weight class. So they go from sub 180 to up to 220. So that's the next weight class for me. So 220 pounds. Uh, I'm under strong for the 220 division. Also, we have, and it's prevalent in bodybuilding communities as well, of some performance enhancing drug abuse. And I mm -hmm. am not an advocate for myself to do that. So I compete in the 180. So I'm six foot and I compete yeah. at sub 180 pounds. So I do have to diet down for that. I'm, I'm starting that. I'm using this little pilot study we're working on for the reverse as a way to get down there too. So for me, reversing out of those or coming out of the diets, I don't, I don't have as much of a problem as a lot of people do, to be mm -hmm. honest. And that's my experience. Like, I don't, I don't advocate for like, oh, do what I do. I don't struggle because I have a very, very, very good relationship with food in most instances. And that my diet or my dietary intake is not much different in a caloric deficit composition wise. So food composition wise, I eat a lot of whole foods. Not that I think they're more beneficial or anything like that compared to just maintaining calories or macronutrient composition. I just find that if I have these habits that I have a bulk of food that is very satiating or like fills me up for a long period of time, all it does is require me to slowly shift a little bit of the like protein versus carbs versus fats and then changing my food up. I'm not out eating fast food. That's why I'm not the biggest advocate for the whole, if it fits your macros yeah. mindset, if you don't have good food habits established in the first place. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The if it fits your macros thing got a little out of control, but I, I get the point and it's probably, I think you can probably progress with that. Like if you start out and you eat fast food all the time or you're over consuming and then you just eat a little bit less to fit your macros, that's probably good. But then at some point, like yeah, I don't, I, I don't see that working for people personally in a sustainable way. I mean, it's even, you see it in practice too, uh, not even just general population who have hard times doing it, but even in bodybuilding specifically, we'll, we'll stick with that example. What happens to most people who step off stage, they then go and binge. Like there's a high instance of, of binge eating associated with it because they've depleted themselves so much. Obviously there's hormonal impacts that cause hunger to go up and satiety to go down. And so like they step off stage and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to go eat a box of donuts or something like that. And then that maintains... And I think that's why a solid foundation and just good, good eating habits is beneficial. And then you can sprinkle in stuff like if it fits your macros. And that's what I work on myself with, with some of my clients is, yeah. is like, hey, we're going to build these habits first. And then from there, adjust how you actually like the quality and quantity of your meals. Right. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know. Wayne is a coach also. So I'll make sure I link everything for you guys so you can follow him and, you know, contact him if you ever need to. Okay. So we have your background a little bit too. What, what other athletic background? Well, I was a cheerleader in high school, ran, ran track in high school, did a high jump in high school. I was state record holder for high jump for a solid two months. And then I lost that. So uh, other than that, it's a just, good two months though. 
It's a solid two months. I was, I was talk of the yeah. class. Yeah, that was, that's pretty much it. I was going to go to college for cheerleading back when they still offered scholarships for cheerleading and male cheerleading. Didn't have the grades for it because I was a slacker in high school and just went into the military after that. Athletics comprised of, I guess, just being fit for the passing the PRTs and then to do my job. So that's kind of where Strongman picked up from there. Did you, as a, as a cheerleader, is there, did you have a gymnastics background at all? No, I had minor gymnastics. I could do like round off, like tucks and backflips just for, cause I did competition cheer. I didn't cheer at games or anything like that. So we did state and nationals or anything like that. Got to go to Disney world multiple times for nationals and wow. did the stunting, which is where you throw the, 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 the lady cheerleader up in the air and catch them, throw them up some more and everything throw like the lady. that. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It was fun. It's fun it was to fun. watch. Yeah. Have you seen Cheer on Netflix? I have not. You've moved on from Cheer. I, I have. Well, okay, I mean, fine. I could probably still do it. I could still do it. I mean, it wouldn't go, be difficult. go Kendra. That's a good cheer for our, next, for our next. Go Kendra. <laughs> yeah. But, you could log press a human probably pretty easily. I, I think that's probably what ended up pushing me towards strongman. It's just yeah, like, right. okay, like, I'm used actually, to throwing these people. Yeah, right. <laughs> very similar. Wait a minute. Yeah. Huck up the, yeah. So, okay. So then how did you get into strongman? So, like I said, when I first started working out, it was, you saw pumping iron. So it was just kind of just going there bodybuilding. But then after a while I looked at it and I'm like, I have no aspirations to step on a stage in my underwear. You know, like that's not, that's not who I am <laughs> as a person. And so I saw people on TV who were lifting rocks and stuff. So, and I was down in Cuba when I primarily got big into lifting weights and there was just a, a rock outside of, it was called Marine Hill gym. And it was, it's closed down now because, you know, that's how it works in the military, but there was a rock outside. And every time I'd go and watch these people lift these rocks on TV, I'd always walk out like I could lift that. I could never lift it, I, I, but I tried. It, right. So then it just seemed to me, you know, a lot of people harp on CrossFit and I don't think I'll ever do CrossFit just for the same reason why most people don't like Nickelback. It's just socially accepted not to like Nickelback. <laughs> we actually secretly like Nickelback, but I, I do CrossFit too. And it's just that it's not restrictive the way that something like powerlifting is, you know, like right. it's, it's very linear and squat bench dead, very linear. I like the fact that me wanting to be, and I'd say I call myself naturally athletic. I, I like the fact that I can express strength or or speed or anything like that in a multitude of of events. And I, I found that the most appealing. So just started picking up rocks and carrying them and carrying lifting them overhead. Interesting. And so how did you then like move into acquiring all of your equipment? Is that just and like because you guys are pretty committed to the sport? Just a spending problem. That that's <laughs> simple answer. No. I think I started getting heavy into buying specific equipment for the gym because we were stationed out in Washington. We worked out at a gym there. It was a good gym, limited strongman equipment. So they had the tires, they had some sandbags. And I knew I was traveling a lot with deployments at the time. So I bought a sandbag and it was more designed for like functional fitness, CrossFit style sandbag. So it only goes up to like 180 pounds. I'd say that like it's nothing, but I would, I would lift that, carry it, throw it, do the all sorts of, cause it had multiple handles on it. So I'd do that. And then when we got stationed in, or when I got stationed in Maine for my last three station before I got out, it was 2018. And I was just like, you know what? I'm, 
don't feel like traveling too far to go to a gym. I don't feel like paying for gym memberships. So let's just start buying gym equipment. This is back before the, the Rona virus kicked in and made everything expensive. So I got like a squat rack, barbells, built my platform, and then started ordering some sandbags and a log. Or did I have the log at the time? I did have the log. Yeah. So I had the log and then just slowly started acquiring equipment over time. Yeah. And, and generally your wife got into it too. Did you drag her in? Cause she's kind of naturally strong. I feel like. Yeah. When we first started dating, she was one of, one of the people that would just stick on the cardio machine. Yeah. So then I, I pulled her when we were still in Washington, I pulled her over to start lifting weights with me. So then we just lifted weights in there kind of going over just whatever program we felt like doing. So I've done a few CrossFit programs, some Olympic lifting programs, and then it just always defaulted to, Hey, I just like moving in various ways and don't like restricting myself. Obviously yeah. the, the movement patterns are similar, but it's, I just like doing different things. So then she, I dragged her along and forced her to do things. She's, she's always my test nat- dummy. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's a natural. I so one of the things I loved about training for strongman and doing it is the like just the odd object situation. Like I've I don't think I've ever felt stronger than when we do those training sessions because like you're not really supposed to move like you move to pick up an atlas stone in my sure. world. Yeah, you know, at least that's, that's what like, you're told. Right, right. Like, do not. And yet a lot of the research I'm doing now on perimenopause and menopause is the importance of like power as we age, not just, you know, not just a steady, perfect form to for muscle hypertrophy, but like, like, like odd object movement, strange movement safely, of course, power explosion like this is and that I think for me has been something that was missing. It is one of the reasons I like CrossFit too, is because I get some of that just like, I love the physical like aggression, you know, that's, that comes with both of those sports. Now I think CrossFit too can be really dangerous for me because I just overdo it so fast because I love to go. So I'll just go over and over and over and over and over and kind of overtrain myself, but it has nothing to do with the sport and everything to do with like, I just like to do things that my body isn't really ready for and I'm not primed for. So I'm like, I can do that, you know, but something about strongman to me felt maybe it's because the volume is low. I don't know. It, I, I felt it as crazy as that sounds of all the training styles, it's felt the safest to me in some way. I think it could just be the excitement of novelty of it. Cause that's, it's, I think that's why I haven't ever burned out of strongman is because the way strongman works as for competitions, you're not doing the same exact movements. Even if you're doing the same movements, it may not be with the same implement or a piece of equipment. So regardless, competition to competition is going to be different. And that could be exciting for like a long-term compliance of like, Hey, I'm not doing the same squat bench deadlift that I was doing two years ago that I've been doing for the past two years, you know, right. I'm doing, right. I'm doing a, a one rep max log press. Okay. Well, the next event's actually a rep event. So I'm doing multiple reps with the log press, you know, and it changes and varies. And I think that's probably, it, it helps with the compliance long-term. That's probably strong man. So let's say novelty helps with the compliance. I think everybody can agree with that, even though 
like for me, if I'm working with somebody on muscle hypertrophy, we, we just need to stay consistent, but give people something interesting that's changing, even though it's, you know, you don't, you don't need to constantly change. Yeah. I think also with the strength program you put me on for, for strongman, it was the, the volume was right. I, I, you know, I felt like I had plenty of time to rest. I felt like I had that and that was new. I mean, resting five to seven minutes between sets is like completely, I, I used to do it because I power lifted in my early twenties, but I hadn't really revisited that style of training. So, <laughs> but I was also surprised by the, so for those of you who don't know, so I'm not jumping all over the place, Wayne and put me through a, gave me a super basic low volume strength program. I did it for about nine weeks and I was a subject of a case study that I would like for us to be able to talk about. So I want to ask you about that. But I think so surprising to me was we went for a kind of a minimalist approach. I'd been doing bodybuilding for years, of course, CrossFit, which I love. And I stopped CrossFit. I didn't do any additional cardio. I just did the workouts that you gave me three days a week. I added in a few more things and then our training one day a week. And the so the volume was significantly less. And what we found is that my strength really, really improved, which is exciting, but I had never been more exhausted. Like that's how I knew I was doing it right because I was just spent after, not after like a workout, but after like a week, you know, like I really needed that rest day. And I'd never, I haven't, it's been a long time since I felt that way. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's just the shift from not low, like lower intensity as regards to one RM percentage. And you're doing higher intensity with resistance training for strongman, you know, and it's this, there's more musculature involved, total musculature involved when it comes to doing something like, I mean, you were doing the Atlas stones, you were doing more deadlifting or hinging than you were probably accustomed to, but it's still low volume comparatively. It's just such a high percentage of one RM or close proximity to failure at that one RM mark that it's just overall fatiguing acutely. And that could be why. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you train for strength and performance, as opposed to training for physique, and I know, I know a lot of our, like our classmates that are physique athletes train pretty hard. So I'm not saying they don't train. Like I know they train to failure. It's just different when it's one and two and three reps, because it's like, it's like your, your guts are involved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're like every part, your fingernails are involved in the that rep. It's so crazy it's like it's such a an amazing feeling like you think your head is going to explode off of your neck it's like my mother was asking me about it she's like that's so unattractive I'm like well okay I'm not out like <laughs> I will I worry about being attractive in every other area than what I look like like yeah I look like I'm bur I'm being birthed you know like <laughs> or, <laughs> or during deadlifts. Right. <laughs> right but it's like 
there's nothing crazier to me than a feeling of like every part of your being is working to lift that weight. You know, it's so cool. It's I think so it's, cool. I think it's why like, I'm a huge advocate for getting more women involved in straw man one, because there's not enough involved and a lot of people want the sport to grow for both males and females, but specifically more female competitors, especially at higher levels, which requires consistency of people competing in competitions. But it, it's cool. Cause you, you go, you know, you talk to people like, Hey, you should try straw man. And then you tell them an event, like a truck pull, like everybody's first thing is like, Oh, I can't pull that truck. I and think- then they come and pull the truck and it's like, I pulled the, oh, truck. I pull the truck. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's crazy it's cool to see people who previously like, Oh, I can't do that. And then they come in and do it. And it's like, Oh, I can actually do that. Like it's not as intimidating once I actually get in there and surrounded by people who are just there to support you and cheer you on. So I I enjoy that probably the most out of, I mean, besides competing myself, but aside from that, I enjoy watching other people try it for the first time and realizing they're a lot stronger and a lot more capable than they give themselves credit for. Right. You do, you do have that gift. You and Gemily, I mean, I think, you know, when I moved to Tampa, obviously I had a crazy life situation change. So I had this one day a week with you guys where for those couple of hours, you know, there's a, there's a, like a viral reel or something out that's there. That's like, what do we do with our feelings? We put them in our (laughs) muscles. Like that's how that, that's how that training was for me. So I obviously have like an incredible association with lots of like serotonin and joy and laughter and fun and encouragement. And you guys, I can see how you love having people try it and watching people lift heavy. And, you know, we're all sort of like fascinated that we can do this. And you guys are like, see, I told you. And so the whole experience for me was like, so important to my mental health, my physical health, trying something new, And I think a lot of people, when they're going through hard times, kind of want to walk away from those things. Like, I don't have the time. I don't have the, I can't do that. But there's something about, to me, pouring your emotional, like, stuff that overflows and has to go somewhere into something like a sport like that, for me, was... It it just all kind of culminated at the same time. So I, I will first of all, be forever grateful, but I share that with you too, that same, like, you know, when I've trained people in person and they're like, I can't do a push up," And then they do like three. I'm just, you know, I want to cry for them. Cause you know, we all know what that's like to be kind of blown away by something that you didn't think you could do. And then you do it. And how often do we really get to do that in our life? You know, I agree. Like it's not frequent at all that you get to do that. And it's just, it's cool, especially the more trained you become to see more new people into the sport. Cause like, to me, like, I, I know obviously the same with any sport of like, Oh, I've been doing this a while. I'm not going to make the same sort of, I'm not going to have that same feeling as somebody who's just first pulled a truck the first time ever. Like I'm not going to experience that again. So I'm living vicariously through other people's enjoyment of that. It's like, Oh, cool. You got to pull the truck. Right. I wish I for, I wish I could do my first time pulling a truck again. I was actually thinking about Gemily because if you guys don't know, you should check out Gemily's um, Instagram too. So she won our competition that we all did last year. She won it. And then I was thinking, oh my gosh, I had like ignorance was bliss for me with this first competition. I had nothing to prove, no expectations, didn't know what was going on half the time, just kind of, you know, 
went where I was told to go. And then I was like, but the next one, like now in April, we're going to do another one, all of us. And it's like, you know, God willing, we, we all are healthy to do it, but it's like, now I'm like, I'm already nervous. Cause I'm like, I've got to redeem myself. Those stupid Atlas stones, <laughs> my, you know, like I'm already like, okay, you know, I got to get more than the log press. I'll probably be heavier log press. But to me, it's like, it's like, it's really important for me to be physical and try new things. So I think like the strength challenges and I know people, listen, if you Google strongman, it's not going to be pretty. Like you're going to be like, I don't want to, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to be like that, but you can go in at any level. I mean, the barrier to entry, I would say is kind of high considering the starting weights. Not everybody can do those, but yeah. The good news is with that though, is, is a lot of the, depending on where you go and what federation you choose, you can pick events and there's always, a, depending on the region of the country or world, wherever you're at, different events are comprised of different or different competition are comprised of different events. So you can find an event, like I'm not very, I am slightly above average as it comes to static strength. So one RM strength, but I'm really good at movement events and picking up stones for some reason. And so I try to pick my events that I want to compete in or competition I want to compete in based off of which events have or which competitions have those events in them. So if I am going and I want to do a strongman comp, I'm not going to pick one that's 95% just one RM strength mm -hmm. because I'm not going to have a good time. I don't right. enjoy those. It's hard for me. So like I said, slightly above average with that strength, but really above average when it comes to moving just from the athletic yeah. perspective. So you can kind of just pick what events you want to do. Okay. Nice. That's helpful. So somebody was asking me and we'll get, I want to get more into like how somebody could access uh strongman or strength challenges. And then I have a couple of ideas too, but Nora is saying she's curious how my muscle recovery compared to traditional lifting. And was I really sore? The thing was like, I feel like I recovered really well during it. Let's just say it was like pretty much like nine weeks, right. Of specific uh, strength challenge training for an event with the purpose of, you know, being tracked, eating and maintenance, having, you know, I was knew I was going to give Wayne my, my data at the end. And, and so like, I was not sore, like sore wasn't, in fact, I went back to a traditional kind of bodybuilding style approach with you know, keeping in a couple of like strength days and I'm more sore now again, part of it is because I had <laughs> somewhat deconditioned from that style of training, but it was just a fatigue. Like it was like, you know, people are like, should I take a rest day? It's like, I had to take a rest day. It wasn't even an option. It, the, all of the days I wasn't doing that, I was resting or just doing walks and I didn't feel bad about it. And when you know that there's a benefit to resting because you have a performance goal, it's totally different than when you're like chasing a weight loss goal or you're, you know, you're just focused and obsessed about what you look like in your physique. A performance goal just puts you in a really cool headspace, which is one of the reasons why I really encourage my women to get just focus on strength. Like let's, let's have you focus on doing pull-ups, push-ups, bench press. And, and of course we want to work on the physique. A lot of women do, but, but it's like, that's hard, right? The food is the hard part for people. It's the, the other 23 hours out of the day that you're not training. 
do you get like sore isn't fatigue is was definitely a symptom of the strength what about you so i think a little bit on your point of you were you're talking about that the need or not like you need to recover i think it's more so a little bit slightly opposite in that you don't need to do more because i right. mean if you look at strength like performance research you can do as little as like one to two hard sets a week at around 80% and still see meaningful increases in strength. And so there's a lot of mental fatigue. Uh, I would say it's more mental than physiological fatigue that comes with strongman training. Mm. And so you have to amp yourself up to maximally lift. You have to amp yourself up to move with maximal intent. And that's just mentally fatiguing itself. So to go in there and do that for, you know, two, three, maybe four sets a week or something like that, a little bit higher. And then you, you just don't need to do more. So I, maybe it's people's bias towards wanting to do more volume as it relates to like hypertrophy. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to gain as much muscle as possible. I got to do more volume. But then you go in there and you're like, all right, well, you're not going to want to do more volume when you're lifting at 90 plus percent of your one RM or, you know, 90 plus percent of the maximal weight you can lift. You know, we'll take the stones, for example. Like you came in the first time and couldn't even get the stone off the, the 150 pound stone off the ground. And then you were now, you were able to do it for three times at the end. It's like, you didn't have to do more. You're like, yes, recovery is important. But I think the fact that you didn't go out of your way to, okay, well, I need to do more for the sake of doing more. You're not going to get more benefit out of that. So it's right. Like, yeah. Okay. So this is a good, this is a important point to separate then strength and hypertrophy because everything in me, trust me, coming from my background, wanted to go in like supplement, do more. And I did a little bit more here and there, but it had nothing to do with thinking I'm going to perform better and everything to do with like, I don't want to lose my peach, you know, (laughs) 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 like I don't want to lose my shoulders. Like it was totally and completely had nothing to do with strength and everything to do with like wanting to maintain my physique. And I was super clear about that. So I tried not to get into like too much volume thinking, well, maybe it would, it would inhibit my strength. So I love this topic because, um, first of all, you, I think when people just use strength training synonymously with, you know, muscle hypertrophy training, which is totally fine. And a lot of people who are starting out from zero are going to get stronger, right? Could, would you agree? Like, like yeah. if you start, you you can lift five pounds, probably in a few weeks, you'll be able to pick up 10 pounds for a bicep curl. Like you probably, that's probably will happen. Um, I agree. And maybe your muscles will grow a little bit, but for you to get stronger doesn't necessarily just mean you're going to get bigger. And even... So I don't necessarily think, I'm curious what you think. I don't necessarily think you need to pick one or the other, but also I kind of do. I kind of do now. Like, uh, I don't know how I would have done both. So I, yeah, I to, to go back again, a lot of people do kind of conflate or, or mix up strength and hypertrophy. And that's even in the research too, where we're still trying to say that, size determines strength, which I'm not super convinced. I think strength is more of a, 
it's more of a component, especially when you become more trained or even baseline, it's more of a component of the capacity of the structure. So like we have these things like the cortical spinal tracts that prevent us from hurting ourselves. And I think limitations on strength are put in place, not by the muscle themselves, but by those protective mechanisms, which is why you see people that you will get the example of the mother has the baby whose car flipped over on top of it. The mother lifted the car. She would not be able to do that in any other circumstance, except in that heightened sense where the protective mechanisms and put in place through the central nervous system are kind of just inhibited. So it's that I think those, maybe it could be one thing of like, you have this maximal threshold of strength, but the protective mechanisms only allow you to operate in this. And by resistance training consistently over time, you're a little bit closer to that maximal threshold of strength, never superseding it. So it could, that could be potentially what happens. You might get closer and closer, never reaching or never surpassing more realistically. I, I, to me, that's the most makes the most sense from a mechanistic standpoint, because like you see people who look at the research or like, see the muscle grew and it got stronger. So therefore muscle getting bigger means it gets, or is, is it's getting stronger because it got bigger. And it's like, yeah, but then you see other research that shows no growth, but increases in strength and trained populations. So then you got to kind of just take those, those research or those findings to mean it could, but it's not likely based on the majority of the research. Yeah, that's interesting. So that in the case of that you brought up about the mother lifting the car, which we've all heard of, that's where they that we get that idea that strength is neurological, right? Like right. That that she, she probably couldn't have shoulder pressed a thirty pound dumbbell that same morning. Yep. And yet she lifted an entire car. So so. I do think it seems like even for me, like something happens to me when I approach like things that feel like they're going to be physically challenging like that. The number one thing is I don't feel afraid like at all. I don't feel like, I don't feel worried. I'm going to get hurt. That is not my that's not anywhere in my brain. And I think that helps when it comes to these types of sports, like too dumb to quit or whatever. <laughs> but my mother's like so worried and I'm like, so not worried at all. Like it, I don't even know that you could be afraid and do that. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's not that there's not no risk associated with strongman, and maybe it's just my mindset and how I, I coach people too. It's just like, Strongman's just a sport that we pay to participate in. So I'm not going to take it to that serious nature of like 110%. Give me a solid 90%, but I'm not going to hurt myself. Like I, because if I hurt myself, then I can't continuously enjoy doing the thing that is strongman. So will that prevent me from being the most competitive person in the world? Sure. But there's also a million other people out there who are probably way stronger than me. I just enjoy competing in the sport and doing relatively well. But it's just, yeah, you can't. You can't go in there and yes, you should try hard, relatively hard compared to yourself, but don't try so hard that you're, you're putting yourself out there and hurting yourself to try to beat somebody else. You go in right. and give your best effort for you, not your best effort to beat the competition. If you beat the competition, that's just, that's just a result of the effort you put in with not the intention, at least in my opinion. Right. Yeah. So if we go back to, well, first of all, can, can, 
can people find events anywhere? Like, are they everywhere? So there's the centralized hub or that hosts all of the federations. So there's two primary federations and some other growing federations in strongman. So the, the two are primary ones are strongman core and then the United States strongman. And both of those are all of them actually can be found on ironpodium.com. Okay. And you go there, you, yeah, you just go there, find an event closest to you. They're all over the place. Look at the requirements of the events. Look at the weight classes. I recommend everybody do novice for the first time. Don't do like I did and just jump straight into an open division because they have rules in place for each of these federations where if you compete in an open division, you can't go back to novice, even if you don't do well in the open division. So I I, I jumped naturally into an open division when I first started, which right. took, took me a little bit of crawling to get right. out of. I mean, of course, anyone listening is welcome to come to the one in April and participate. Um, you would need probably a training program, which Wayne could write. I'm sure he's, you have that service, right? Yes. Okay. And you, anybody is welcome. It would be super fun. And then like for us, we're lucky enough that we can train at Wayne and Gemily's, but there are also training facilities around that have kind of odd objects. I was surprised when I looked into it a little bit, a couple of the CrossFit gyms, one has like odd object training on Saturdays, which is fun. I haven't been to that one yet, the Cigar City, but I want to go. And then there's another one that has full strongman equipment in it. Nobody there, no classes, but you could use it. So those are, those are always options if you want to try it. There were all ages, all body types, you name it. And it was so, so, so much fun. I'd love to host one. I talked to my contact at First Form about hosting something there, maybe one day. But it was just so, it was one of the most fun events I've ever been to. And I have done a lot of different events over the years. Like, I feel like hundreds. Maybe it's just, just like a cultural thing, but we kind of just, everybody's there to have a good time. Yeah. I, I, I think people's reservations with competing in strength sports is like, oh, it's them versus me, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that's the case with any strongman event that I've ever been to. And I've been to quite a bit. They're all just there to support each other. Even if, you know, somebody is way ahead of you in positioning at, at in your weight class, they're still going to be out there cheering you on. Like, it's just, it's right. a very supportive culture. Yes, like any other sport, there's going to be some toxic people that I advocate to get rid of, but it's very, very rare in strongman, especially the federations that I compete or, or advocate for. So I just, I highly recommend everybody. If you're, if you look it on TV and like, oh, I think I could do that if I tried to go out and try because you're going to have a good time and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, also most people don't have access to trucks and Atlas stones. Like we are lucky because we have, we could do that every weekend, but a lot of the women, it, they had never pulled a truck before. Like they right. just, and a couple of them just go to the gym and they're power lifters and they wanted to try something new. So everybody is invited to come to Tampa. I'll give you the registration. Obviously you can't all stay with me, but come and do the event and try <laughs> it. I think it's just going to be, it's actually not in Tampa. Is it, it's an hour South, right? Yeah. Something that one, like that. one of them's in Punta Gorda. And then I can't remember where the other, they're okay, both I'll pretty... post the one we're doing. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, it's a fun way to train. And I think if you ask me, I think probably everybody for until the day they die should be able, able and capable of picking up like a 50 pound stone and throwing it over a bar. To me, that just feels like at the very least, 
that seems like a really good thing for us all to be able to do, you know, whether you keep going and decide to lift more, but you've got to try at least one or at least come and watch. It's, it's just, it's so fun. It was a long day. It was a super yeah. long day. Yeah. yeah. But um, it was also like the events too, or where they're at, you got to, uh, that's another reason why I pick certain events too, is the location. It's like, I want to try and visit this place. Yeah. Cause it looks yeah. cool. So yeah. Like you get killed two birds with one stone. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. So as far as my event goes, if we do a little bit of a breakdown. So I absolutely loved the touch and go log press and the momentum. I just was like, why? That's just, it should just be like this. Yeah, you guys killed it. I think the the transition that they threw me off of, because I was a commentator for the entire event. So they were off doing, you know, Kendra and then Cassidy, Cassidy. my wife, and then Rachel were all competing. One of the rule changes, and that's one thing that happens in Strongman quite frequently, is you'll see last minute rule changes. So it was originally supposed to be a not full clean and press it was it's what's called a clean and press away which means you clean it up to your chest once and then your reps are from here just continuously pressing it overhead full extension not having to come back to the ground well day of competition they actually changed it to each rep had to be a full clean so that's starting from the ground each time which i didn't know how you guys would do with that because that's not how we've trained but i knew with your background that you would have killed it anyways and you did we killed so. it <laughs> so how so why did they change it it's probably just personal preference of the promoter, which is perfectly fine. I mean, that's yeah. like I said, that happens. I, I don't know. personally prefer those. Like to yeah. me, that was, it was like, it, I, I, I was curious though, because for if, if you watch any of our training videos, we train with more weight and we pressed a little bit less that day. And the weight distribution was very different on the leg, on the log press that we did in competition versus your house, which you guys always said. So it was like much easier. Yeah. So the difference talking about that a little bit, there's different size logs. So it's literally the shape of a, a log. Like I cut down a tree and there's like a 10 and a 13 inch diameter log. I have a 13 inch diameter log at the house. So it's a little bit wider. So when you're holding it, it displaces it and it wants to pull you forward a lot more. So when they were actually in competition, or when they were training, they were not only using a don't wider forward, log. Don't leave forward. Don't, that's, yeah. that's don't let it said. pull don't, you forward. Don't let it pull you forward. Yeah. So not only were they training with more weight, they were also training with a wider log. So when it came to competition time, they had a smaller log, which was more centralized to their chest. So they didn't have to lean back as much. And they also had lighter weight. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why they had such a high number of repetitions with the yeah. log clean and press. It was, it was, that was awesome. So after that one, I was like super confident. I felt really good. And then we moved into the truck pull. Yep. So the truck pull strategy, as I was listening to the commentating too, is like, I think we've nailed that. Stay low and just explode and get that thing going. You know, yeah. I guess I'm still surprised how slow I am on that comparatively. Yeah. I think that's, that also truck poles are definitely a mass event. So yeah. the heavier you weigh in your weight class, the more beneficial an event like that's going to be. So if you're able to, so say you're competing in the stick with the 180 number, if you're competing in the 180 sub 180 weight class, if you weighed in at 179 and then, cause it's 24 hour weigh-ins, if you weigh in at 179 the night before and you go eat a crap ton of food afterwards and bump yourself up to like 190, 
well, then that's 190 pounds you can throw into that harness that then helps you pull that 5,000 plus pound truck. Mm-hmm. So that's, yes, it's, it sucks that you couldn't move it faster, but you did have the the lighter weight going against you in yeah. that regard. Yeah. So I'm in the class. It was one, I think it was 180 and below. below. Yep. Yeah. So at 140, there are 180 mass moves mass, but it's fine. There's nothing I can do about it. I, I, you know what I mean? I literally poured, I was so destroyed after that, which is so funny because like, it's just one pull, but it's like, I mean, again, the, like the gut was involved. My fingertips were working, you know? Yeah. You're literally um, crawling on the ground, pulling yeah, yourself there's and pulling literally, the truck. There's nothing <laughs> left to there. Okay. The third event is my worst event. And I got to stop saying that. I'm going to learn to stop saying that, but I don't, the problem with me and deadlift is two things. I don't like it and I'm not great at it. And it is the one event that I feel like I just should be stronger. Like I should just be stronger. I just, I can't explain what, where that comes from, but it's like, how am I not stronger at this? And everyone's like, oh, you don't do it. I'm like, but, but I don't know that there's much more in me to get to. So let's talk about how in my progression, I think I started probably 175 was really pushing it for me and getting off 225 was, I was like, I'm going to like, this is very uncomfortable. So I, I go ahead. Yeah, you did. I mean, it's not, you're not bad at deadlifts. It's just deadlifts take, especially it's not a normal deadlift where most people are used to that full off the ground deadlift. It was a wagon wheel. So it was elevated. So it's almost like a rack pull. Yeah. Which some people would think would be easier, but when you actually start adding absolute weight to the bar, you're just like, Oh, this is different than a normal deadlift. Like it's not, it's not as the same as a normal deadlift. Yeah. It takes a little bit longer than nine weeks. Okay. So, but, but over the course of nine weeks, I got up to 255, which is good. I pulled 275 off the ground for like two inches or something like that. You're close. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Like then that's a big jump. And the way it works in the competition is that they load the bar and then they're like, who's, you know, who's doing pulling 225. Okay. Nobody. All right. They load it up again by, I think. 20 pounds, something yeah, like that. Yeah, they was 10 or 20 pounds yeah. total. So then they'd load it up and then, okay, you'd pull. So I did my 255, which was my max. And then there, there wasn't a huge field. And I felt really good at 255. Like I know it moves slow, but as a deadlift, for me, it felt fast. Like some, if you don't know deadlifting, you would think it's slow. But if you do know deadlifting, I pulled that up pretty quickly. And I, then I was like, oh, okay. Well, I would have under normal training circumstances or any other circumstances probably rested for a good five to seven minutes. Cause that really does take, if you've never lifted like that, it will suck the life out of you. And then I, nobody else was going. So I had to go right back to 275 and yep. I was bummed. Cause I was, I was gassed. Like at that point, I know it doesn't, it seems crazy, but I was. 
And I was like, man, I feel like if I had five more minutes, cause my head was there, I was ready. I was confident from the log press. I felt good about the truck pull. Now I was going to go PR the deadlift, like on another level and nope. Didn't build the game. Yeah. So for the, the deadlift for that event, they, they follow the rules. It's called Wessels rules. So if you ever competed in powerlifting, you're used to being able to pick your attempts and then loading your attempt up for the bar. And strongman, that's normally not how it goes. They'll do what's called Wessels rules in that they go up by 10 or 20 pounds each round and you take three attempts total that you want to take. So you take the, you have to pick your attempts on the fly. You can't really walk up and say like, oh, I'm going to take 235.4 pounds or whatever. It's literally 220. Okay, well, I'd hit 220. Well, now it's going to go up to 240. So I can either hit 240 or I can skip 240 and go to 260. So you don't really get the opportunity to be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to take my time with this. And then another component about Wessel's rules is if you take your first attempt, make it, and you take your second attempt and miss it, you don't get a third attempt. So you're only allowed. So you only get that one attempt if you miss your second attempt. So it's, it's kind of a one and done thing where if you miss yeah. it, you're not allowed to go back and try again. So uh, you, you did great in that. And I'm not like, you can't even say you didn't do good because you went in there after you pulled you said 255, I think was your final. Yeah, two fifty five. That you hit. Yeah. So two fifty-five. Yeah. You did two fifty-five directly after doing a max rep log press and a truck pull. So the fact that you were able to still have 255 pound deadlift after that is also just yeah. great. So here's the interesting thing about strength is I was I was always so fascinated that on our training weekends, Cassidy, who won our event in our class, could lift two uh, like literally one hundred more pounds. And I would be like, how is that even possible? Like, I don't understand how human being I'm looking at her and I know she has more weight. She has more mass. She has much like stronger and bigger, lower body. I'm like, how is this even possible that somebody could lift 100 more pounds? It blows my mind. And she's like, no, haven't really been training. <laughs> I like to give her a hard time. Oops. Cause I'm always, she's just like, so, so pretty and dainty. And she just like, I'm like, oops, look at me accidentally PR'd my deadlift again, 300 and whatever. It just blows my mind. Yeah. Strength is, I mean, you got to think about like baseline strength. And then I, I think baseline strength is more influential on total strength capacity than any sort of I don't want to call it artificial, but like artificially inflated strength as a result of resistance training. So I think it goes back to the idea that I was talking about with having a maximal strength threshold that's preventing us from reaching it due to neurological mechanisms and slowly getting closer to that with resistance training, where like if yours is here, your natural strength limit is here at baseline and Cass's is up here. Like no, no amount of training is going to get you that strong. doesn't mean you right. shouldn't train because it's fun and being strong is cool, but you know, there's people out there that's always going to be bigger, badder, faster, stronger. So that's why it's important to focus on, Hey, I'm strong for myself today. Like I, I was strong, even though I wrap repped out log press, even though I pulled a truck that is probably heavier than what you're used to pulling slightly, as well as different environment with an incline on a different surface level, you know, you're surrounded by a whole lot of other stimuli that are not only just physiologically fatiguing, but psychologically fatiguing. You're having to deal with the chaos of the event itself. So like all those factors contributing and you still went out and pulled 255 pounds, you know, it maybe it influenced you or impacted you differently than Cass, you know, who went out and PR a deadlift, 
it's so same, same, but different, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> no, it's true. And the baseline strength too, we learned about that a little bit in Buckner's class, or at least addressed it where like, that's established. That's right. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a hypothesis. So like for okay. a little bit of background, the baseline hypothesis is that again, those who are stronger at baseline and it's kind of a, uh, associated with like all cause mortality and stuff like that. But those who are stronger at baseline typically are going to be the stronger human beings. And so the best things you can do, I guess, for some takeaways here is if you have children, have them start resistance training as soon as possible. As soon yeah. as they're coordinated enough to lift a weight, have them do it because you can see the most influential times of total strength capacity is going to be in that prepubescent up to the 22 year old mark. So like I said, as long as you can get them exposed to resistance training, getting them stronger over time at that young age and having them be physically active, that's the best thing you can do for all-cause mortality for those children outside of obviously healthy nutrition, education, lifestyle habits, et cetera. Yep. Noted. It's pretty pretty incredible the the strength gains up until that those early 20s. And then in the a graph we saw in class, it was like just like now you're just kind of chipping away at strength, slow progress. You know, I have people who train, they'll train for a month and be like, I, I, I'm not getting stronger. It's like, you're not going to pick up five extra pounds every time you go in like to the gym. You know what I'm saying? If you just started lifting weights and you're 45 or 50 years old, like you're going to get stronger, but like you, you know, you're not just going to keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger and putting on more and more and more muscle. You know, it's like, there's a limitation. I don't know what it is for any person. I, I don't think anybody could tell anybody what their limit is. I want to, I want to clarify though, that, you know, even though I advocate for like getting children to start resistance training sooner, and that's not to say like, even if you're, if you're like after that 22 year old mark, you're like, oh, okay, well it's too late for me. I might as well not even try right. getting stronger. Like I think resistance training is beneficial. If you can prolong how long your resistance training, like I plan on resistance training until, you know, the day I, I wake up dead. Uh, like, you know, the, you, you want to do that because what ends up, you see that same graph in the baseline hypothesis is that those people who eventually might get hurt, they stop resistance training. And then you see just a decrease in health outcome measures right. because your quality of life decreases. Obviously then that results in strength decreases, which then, if you see a lot of individuals who are like sarcopenic, so lack of muscle or lack of muscle strength, if they end up going into the hospital, they're more likely to die as a result of hospital stays than those individuals who had more lean body mass, more muscle functionality, such as like strength. So like being strong forever is a very, very beneficial thing. So that's yeah, and relative, right? Like I probably right. won't pull a 255 deadlift at 75, but I might, hey, I might, know. Yeah, I mean, two, 255 may just become my new, like five by five rep, you know, <laughs> she's going to rep out 255 at 75. Who knows? Who knows? So it. the last event, the last event for me and all of us was the, the Atlas stone, which is my favorite. I think because I watched the progression of that so obviously of and then i just really like the movement and it always surprised me that the the stone would come up and that i could get it up and then i could get it over i was always like wow and so i was ready to go first stone 50 pounds no problem threw it over like a basketball like well not really but casted second one 80 pounds i think 
Yes. Same. No problem. Rolled it over fast. The third one, I guess, apparently I forgot everything I'd trained in the last previous nine weeks because for some reason I wasn't thinking it was going to be heavy, but like, it was like 110 pounds, 120 pounds. Uh, I think it was 115. 115. Yeah. That is in fact heavy for me, but I had been in my mind training with 150 pound stone. So these shouldn't be a big deal. And I just took that for granted. And I didn't even bother to do any of the things that we had learned, like, you know, the way I position my, my hands under it. I mean, I didn't do any of that. And, and then I just struggled and bumbled it around for like, I don't know, four seconds or something like that. Yeah, and I was like in my head, I was like, "Oh no, oh no, oh god, oh god!" Like, but every time I knew, I was like, "Calm down." <laughs> yeah, you got a little excited on that one, and I was trying to yell at the sidelines and not into the microphone that I was commentating on. But it was just <laughs> like, like we talked about the fact that you, I think, what messed you up is the other stones were so light, so and light. Like you, you were just like, "Okay, I can throw this last one up there," and that is what caused you to, I guess, forget the 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 technical aspect of lifting those th- stones efficiently to get it over because this last event was three stones for time so yes completing all three stones provides you points but compete completing those at the fastest time is what you're going for that in that event and so she went there and the it is literally four seconds that would have saved her would have gotten her a podium finish for the overall competition but because of the fact that she rushed it tried just muscling the stone up into her lap she dropped it yeah. initially and so that was about two seconds of time wasted there. And then she went to go and she didn't get it up high enough on her chest to extend up and then get it over the bar. So as she's standing up, she had to roll the bar up even more and then push it over the bar or roll the stone up even more and then push it over the bar, which cost her more time than than she should have if she would have maintained and stuck with her technique. So, <laughs> and I have to wait till April to do it, to do it again. Redemption. And then we don't even have that because we're just doing a carry. Which will be fun. I think you'll enjoy that too. Yeah, because... I do too. Right. I do too. So I my... all of these, all of these things, I I went into this, this event in every aspect saying like, all right, I gave birth to a child. I can like, and that was, I had like the longest labors three days. So I'm like, I did that for three days. I can do anything for like one minute, you know? Um, so I tend to pull from like that experience a lot. And that was 23 years ago, but you, it's like, it's like it was yesterday just for strength and my why, and, you know, just a feeling of, I think a lot of women forget that they delivered whole babies. And then when it comes to like doing something hard, they're like, I can't do that. I'm like, dude, you can definitely do that. Like you can do that. You can do anything. Delivered a baby, you carry them in your arm for right, however long until right. they were walking. And it's like, that's like a small atlas stone. You can just, there's your start point. Like you you raised an atlas stone. Yeah, you know? yeah. You 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 can do strong, man. And then when they talk back to you, then you can just throw them over a bar. Like exactly. you know, exactly, the- <laughs> tuck them over the bar. So can you tell them a little bit about the case study? And our we have about 10 minutes left. If I do I still have yeah. you? Can I have you till 130? Yeah, you can have me till okay. whenever. Okay. I mean, yeah. So I guess the case study is the title. I'm going to try to remember off the top of my head. It's pretty much just a perimenopausal woman engaging in resistance or strongman competition preparation. 
And so the idea came from talking with Kendra and wanting to find out and be an advocate for strongman. And it was kind of my way of sneaking one under Dr. Campbell because he <laughs> said he'd never do strongman research. And I'm just like, ha <laughs> So yeah, it was just, we wanted to look at body composition changes observationally, of course, uh, with preparing for a strongman competition and somebody who is resistance trained. So we're kind of hitting like three different wickets of interests of like, do other body compositional changes in trained individuals? Well, other body compositional changes in trained individuals who are also perimenopausal? And are there body compositional changes who in uh, trained individuals who are perimenopausal engaging in training structured around strongman? So kind of just three overarching themes. And so for that, obviously, she had to prepare for a strongman competition. And we did bod pod arm. So bod pod measures body composition. She sits in an egg-shaped tube and it's air displacement discography, dismography. So it pushes air against her and just tells her kind of her fat, her body fat percentage and lean body mass, et cetera. We did ultrasound measures, amodal to measure body fat, subcutaneous body fat as well. And then in body, which is BIA. So bioelectrical impedance, little current was sent through her body, printed out how uh, much body fat and lean mass and, and extracellular water she had. And then the RMR, which is the resting metabolic rate, she sat on a table, well, she laid on a table or plinth and had a mask attached to her face that tells her or outputs data as it relates to her resting metabolic rate. So how much energy is needed for her to just lay there on the table. On top of that, we collected some dietary values as well and her resistance training. And I think that was everything. Yeah. So that's all the measures we, we collected over the course of nine weeks. Yeah. So just from there, I mean, whatever you want to talk about, I kind of laid out the framework for it. Well, I thought it was interesting because we, the biggest thing for me was the change in body composition. So my weight stayed the same, but according to our measurements, I uh, lost a little bit of lean muscle, gained a little bit of body fat, I guess, however you want to, a little bit of both. Yeah. So, and I think with that, it could be just the style of training. Maybe there is a need for, I mean, you, for me, a, a different situation, which I would do more of like an intervention style would be doing the event specific movements to increase the strength and then doing a minimum amount of work necessary to maintain the hypertrophy adaptations that you have. So that would be ideally just kind of comprised of, Hey, Let's take one muscle group to failure for one set, you know, once or twice a week. So to you know, every body parts are like arms, legs, back, chest, everything like that. Do a single set to failure. That way you're maintaining those hypertrophic adaptations without pulling from the resources needed to increase strength. And I think the resources needed to increase strength in that, that regard would be the mental demand, like the psychological demand of like, I want you to focus your intention, attention at getting better at these events with minimal focus given to gaining muscle. Because, I mean, if you're giving 100% attention to gaining muscle and 100% attention to gaining strength, one of those two characteristics are going to have to to wave and, and weigh in a little bit. Right. So that could be why you just didn't do sufficient volume right. at a high enough intensity to maintain muscle. So I think that's actually really important because none of my goals around the strongman training were to maintain muscle. That wasn't even 
that I wasn't worried about that, but it is a good, it is a good, I, I mean, the loss was minimal, but like it did register. And I think like, I can't tell visually, maybe in my lower body a little bit because I used to do so much lower body volume, um, but still nothing like it's, it's, there wasn't like tremendous atrophy that's concerning, but it did kind of show me that like to maintain that muscle, you, you do need those that the ability to get to failure again, to your point, maybe it's only through two sets per body part. I don't think it has to be crazy high volume, but I think it could be probably how I would train going forward is a focus on maintaining the strength and working on improving it. But there's not with a little bit more volume. Like, I think that's going to be the sweet spot for me to be able to maintain the muscle. Well, it's even prioritizing. Yeah. What's that? It's like, it's prioritizing what you want to focus on. You know, it's just what, what advantage if we assume that muscle size doesn't really correlate strongly with muscle strength and you assume that then it's like, well, why am I putting this effort towards trying to gain size if it's not advantageous to me competing in this sport? And so do I like the current size that I have as an aesthetic? Yes. Okay. Well then let's maintain that. And then all that other time that I've spent traditionally focusing on trying to build more muscle, which now is not based on the sport, is not advantageous for the outcome that I'm trying to go for. I can now spend that extra time and energy lifting more weights, lifting the stones one or two more times a week. Right. And even even then you were saying that the volume was so low that even though you felt like you were wrecked afterwards, I'm sure if you if I were to be like, hey, we're also going to do one set of bicep curls to failure, you'd be like, oh, I could do that. Or like, yeah, it'd be- right. Like. Exactly. Cause, because also part of it, you, you mentioned this earlier, like there's a psychological component too. Like if you tell me this is what we're doing today, I can probably find exactly enough energy for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, <laughs> but if you spring on me, oh, now we're going to pull the truck 10 more times. It's like, it's like the same thing as when somebody's running a marathon, like they were literally just running for three hours, four hours at a eight minute pace, they cross the finish line and they can't walk. Like they literally can't walk. They fall down. That's happened to me. And it's like, you were just running, but you had in your mind, 26.2 period, end of story, not one more step. And this is I the think, mental energy I'm giving. <laughs> yeah. Like that was all I had. And I worked to that point. And then I think that that can happen too in training. It can definitely happen for me. I think I'm going to train in the morning. Oh no, I can't train till the afternoon. Oh, I don't have any energy for, you know, for that. It's like, you just, you had some expectation and like level of readiness and preparedness for the work. So if I, if I knew my volume needed to be higher and, and then on the other hand, that could be a problem, right? Like if I, if I'm, am I saving something because I know I'm going to do more sets of hypertrophy? I don't know. It might be interesting to do like, like your strength component and then do like a couple sets of BFR with some lighter weight. And, just do minimal everything. And, just one yeah. set of everything. One right. set of squats for strength, one set right. of biceps for hypertrophy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so interesting. So I think pretty much that like that covers it for what like I had written down in terms of, I mean, I could talk for 
hours about this stuff, but what, tell me what you would want people to know about, you know, my, my group is always focused on improvements and like kind of leveling up and, you know, working on strength and hypertrophy. And as you know, now that you've div- do- dove into the perimenopause research without intending to, you know, what are your thoughts on, on this population? What have you seen? Uh, How would you kind of communicate to us as a strength coach? Let's see. This is hard to say. I don't want to like sound insistent, but like, I think people try, especially coaches try to put perimenopausal women or postmenopausal, premenopausal women in general into just this like special population that I have to do this specific individual like specific group level training to elicit a specific adaptation so like i have to do specific type of training for strength specific type of training for hypertrophy for this specific population and just looking at all this the perimenopausal research and even postmenopausal that doesn't seem to be the case it's like the same thing that works for me that works for mm-hmm. you know anybody else that i take in as an athlete it's more related to the individual preferences, individual tolerances, and individual just perceptions or like goals, rather than you're part of this specific population, you need to do this specific thing. So like, if you want to get strong as somebody who's in that population of the the postmenopausal, perimenopausal, premenopausal, go out and do something kind of hard, do it consistently over time. There is going to be an upper level of strength that you're going to be able to achieve. That's just the reality of life. Sorry. It happens, happens to me too. I'm already there in some things, but it's like, just go do something hard that you enjoy that you can be consistent with over time. And you're going to see progress. And then when you stop seeing progress or you get bored, go find something else hard to do. Right. It's, it's all arbitrarily. It's all arbitrary. It's all fun. You should be doing this for fun and longevity. Not really for the aspect of not, I don't think any of us are getting paid to, to go lift stones for the most part. Right. Well, the other thing is you mentioned too, I mean, I've shared some of my social media stuff. I think there's that I see out there. I think there, whenever I see like macros for menopause, I I roll my eyes. Whenever I see like workouts for menopause or workouts for women over 40, I roll my eyes. Cause it's, it's just, it's just marketing. You yeah. can do anything you want at, at any age. And there's no, like, there's all of this, you know, concern about cortisol levels. And most people don't need to concern themselves with is hit going to increase cortisol and therefore decrease my overall like fat loss goals. Most people aren't even at the point of activity where they need to worry about that type of, you know, is this specific type of workout hindering my, my fat loss goal? Like most people just need to get something on the books every every week consistently. And I, I don't know where this perception came from. And I think it's just more related to the aging population of like, oh, aging people see decreases in strength. Or it's like, well, no, duh. If they're not physically active, then they're going to see decreases because they're not, they're not using the muscle. They're not actually actively engaging or working out. But you see even, it was this James Steele collaboration research he did a few years back where he did a secondary analysis and looked at they're over 65 and they engage in resistance training, but they literally did one set of exercises. I think it was like seven total exercises, took them 12 minutes to complete the entire workout, but they all got stronger doing one set of like lat pull downs, squat rows, everything. They got stronger 
over an eight week period. And it's like, you don't need to do much if you're not doing anything. And even if you are actively right. in resistance training, I don't think you need to do that much to get stronger right. anyways. It's like, it doesn't, you can get stronger until the day you die. If you start from nothing. <laughs> right. It's so true. It's so true. I guess that's good. And we're all going to get there. You know, everybody is declining. I don't know that we can fight it totally, but I think we can work with, with what we have. So I think now my takeaway is that like, I still, one of the reasons I like to do these things and try new physical things, I've always been a physical person. So obviously that that's not hard for me. Like it's fun for me. And I know not everybody is wired that way, but if you are wired that way, it's like, if there is a strongman competition somewhere around or strength challenge, you might really be surprised by the total experience that you have. And I, I didn't really know about it. I still don't, it's not like I'm like a seasoned veteran or anything, but, um, it was really, really, really a good experience, the whole entire thing. So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. I enjoyed watching you compete and train for yeah. it. We'll do it's it again. cool. It's definitely cool to get into this, this area of research and just see, I like, I like challenging misconceptions or like wrong notions. That's one of my favorite things to do in the whole research thing. And so getting the opportunity to argue I don't really argue many people because they don't really <laughs> argue, argue me, but like, yeah, yeah, I productively argue the fact that like, why are we treating, you should treat the individual as special, not a population. It's like right. they have their own differences and they're all going to have factors that contribute to it. So coach the person, not the, right. the whole group, I guess would be right. my thoughts on it. Yeah. So Wayne is obviously, it's just fun to have him as an advocate, his, you know, and have him kind of see some of the things that Dr. Campbell and I have seen too in the literature about like, wait a minute, this population just, um, yeah, there's a tricky time in our life, but there's a, there's, it happens to men too, by the way. And I think taking on some of these things that get you outside of, you know, your comfort zone and doing the same things and only focusing on physique is really important to get just because you do start to feel your own age, you know, and you feel like you, it's, it's hard to know where you belong. And so for me, I just kind of force myself into things that I don't really care. Like I'm the only 50 year old graduate student, but it's like, I don't really care. Well, there's, there's Craig who's 48 too, but like, I don't care, but I'm not supposed to be doing this, you know? I'm not supposed to be doing a strongman competition, but I don't really care. And that's kind of how I, I approach it. I mean, it's a good way to approach it. Yeah, people I know. Tell you, you shouldn't do things. You do right. the opposite. Right. You're just kind of like, I know, but that's okay. Like, and, and it help it does help me, you know, feel like I'm actively participating in this world and I'm not going to go like, slowly die this death like until the day i die god willing who knows how that long that is going to be like the plan is to participate in life and and not just kind of let it pass me by so how this is my way of doing it is to get out there and try new things and stay active and strong and healthy and you know have friends of all different demographics and you know keep my brain going even though this this is 
this graduate program threw me over the edge, but I also think it's like the circumstances I was in, I think next semester will be a little bit better. Yeah, it gets easier. It definitely gets easier, especially with just being in the environment. I think it's beneficial too. You're part of the lab group. So you're surrounded by people who want to do this. It's not just, yeah, it's not just people who are here because they feel they have to be there. They're here because they want to be here. And so you kind of see that culture and Dr. Campbell has a good lab culture in that regard. It's so true. Volunteer. So, you know, people listening, get yourself out there doing, it it may not be strongman. It may not be getting your graduate program, but I know from working with enough people and people reaching out to me that there are these little secret dreams people have these little secret goals. Sometimes you don't tell anybody, but you think, could I do that in my life? Could I like, could I do that? Or that's for other people. But I, I always think goals are for you too. They're not just for you to watch me achieve mine. They're for you to, to go get yours and, you know, get, get that spark going a little bit again in life to, to try new things and do them. So come, come down to Florida and do one. At least you'll, you know, I'll be there in the spring as long as I'm not injured, which I shouldn't even say that. And so you'll have culture and community to, to be part of. So you're all invited. I'll post the, the link to register too. Yeah, that'd be good. More people yeah. just have an entire competition of just all women. Who all, are just yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> be like, this is weird. Right. I know. So thank you. I really, really appreciate it. And I'll probably see you this week. I'll run yes, into ma'am. the finals. Finals coming up. Yeah. All good right. luck. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye.